Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Sing glory to the King, spirit in the world. glory to the King, spirit in the world. Eyes like strangers, I don't know anymore. 
Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Getting It Out podcast. That was Black Orchid Empire, the song Glory to the King. It's off of their new album dropping April 14th on Season of Mist Records. It's called Tempus Veritas. It's a very catchy song. Pro- progressive rock trio is what they go by, I believe. And uh, I think I think you can verify that by listening to Glory to the King. It's got an interesting narrative to the lyrics there. At first I listened to it. I was like, what is this? You know, it was a, uh, I was wondering just what's, what's happening. Cause you can hear so clearly what he's talking about, but unless you read what he's talking about, it might be a little deceiving. It's, it's a song about the, uh, the, the relationship between uh, Montezuma and the explorer and conquistador Herman Cortez, you know, when that guy shows up down there and they think he's a God, they think he's a, what's his name? Quetzalcoatl. Remember that name from school? I kind of do. And then Cortez cuts himself and he bleeds and Montezuma's like, you're not a god, you're a man. And then war starts. And then uh, Black Orchid Empire writes this cool song a few years later, you know, fast forward a little bit till now. And that's what we end up with. And uh, I'll take it. It's a good trade. Uh, Forget the war and all that. Probably didn't need it. Uh, Maybe it was necessary for some type of civilization, but it was definitely necessary for the intro to this podcast. And uh, we all need to make sacrifices. So sorry, Montezuma and the people of the, uh, what was the Mesoamerican nation? Um, You know, sacrifices needed to be made. You guys understand that. You, You understand sacrifices. So I don't think I need to explain much more. Anyway, on this episode of the podcast, I've got an interview with Andrew Schwab of Project 86. Yes, Project 86. They're still at it. And he's got a new album called Omni Part One, which implies there's going to be a part two. And you'd be correct in that implication, that suggestion, that assumption. But first, let's listen to some hot zone. Check it. There are songs, bands, albums that when I listen to, it takes me back to a place and a memory in my mind that sometimes I don't want to. I don't want to go there. I don't want to be in that space, that time when I listen to this band, this song, this album, and it's with a lot of stuff. And sometimes those memories are necessary. Other times, not necessarily. They're not that big of a part of my life, but I guess uh, there's a reason I remember them so well. I listened to Deftone's self-titled record, and the first thing I always think of, especially when I hit the track Seven Words, is listening to this album, showing it to my friend over the phone uh, when I was in seventh grade or whatever year it was. And then I immediately think, well, he's not alive anymore. And then if I listen to Rancid, I have similar memories of listening to uh, And Out Comes the Wolves uh, with my friend Brandon. And he was the first friend I ever had that died. And he loved that band. And then there's other, you know, there's it, it goes on and on. There's lots of lots of bands and songs and albums with these negative memories. I don't know if they're negative. I don't know if I'd call them that. But this nostalgia, this thing, this, ah, this makes me think of this guy this friend, this family member, this person who's not around anymore. And uh, usually it's, they're not around anymore because something happened to them. You know, they've, they've passed. And uh, that doesn't always have to be the case though. I was thinking about this today, the other day, recently, we'll say that. 
when listening to Project 86, and actually anytime Project 86 comes up, I think of why I know who Project 86 is and who introduced me to Project 86 and how they ever got on my radar. And it, it all starts with growing up in the very house my mother still lives. I had a, a very good neighbor friend and he moved away. And then one day he calls me up and says, hey man, do you still like rock music? And I'm like 15 years old, maybe. This is 2000. And uh, I'm like, yeah, of course I like rock music. later off we go to purple door festival in lebanon pennsylvania the lebanon fairgrounds if i remember correctly i had never heard of this i didn't know exactly what it was i didn't know that it was a christian music festival it didn't matter to me those types of things typically don't i'm just there for the music i'm just there to have fun and that's what i was doing i was there with a bunch of strangers aside from my childhood friend and it was a good time there was bands like zayo and living sacrifice uh, that i was familiar with aside from pod but on sunday there was a band that they had told me i would like it was called project 86 and i had yet to hear them and this wasn't streaming age i couldn't pull them up on my phone and check them out i had to just wait so basically i waited for uh, a day because of the, the the set times i basically waited for an entire day over the weekend to see this band project 86 and when they took the stage on sunday evening i quickly went over to the merch table and picked up their cd drawing black lines because i heard this song they played first or what songs they even played that night. But I can tell you that I loved that record. It was like a combination of everything I was into at the time. It had new metal, it had hardcore, it had like some at the drive and post hardcore stuff, maybe not as chaotic, a little more streamlined, but the whole thing was great to me. And I, I, I love that record. I revere it. I look back on it so fondly, still do. Every time I put it on, I'm reminded why I like this band that time so much. And that's the interesting thing is that it takes me back to a time that I remember fondly. Interestingly enough, I think that's the last time I saw that friend once he dropped me off that evening. I don't think we've seen each other since then. So uh, over 20 years. Uh, but I just remember 
this band. Maybe it's, maybe that's why I like it so much. It's connection to a time and a place and a person and, uh, memories that are great. And that's a very cool thing about music because often I think I focus on the stuff that I have, uh, negative memories on. And, uh, it's cool to have a band, an album like project 86 and drawing black lines to look back on fondly. Now, if I'm being honest, I pretty much totally lost track of what project 86 was doing after that point. I remember some records coming out, getting into them, but not nearly as much as drawing black lines. So when I saw this new one, potentially their last one, second, to last one, Omni part one being released, I thought, now's now's the time i got to get back on this immediately so i set up a conversation with vocalist andrew schwab the mastermind of project 86 to have a conversation about the band about my own discovery of them and about what's happening right now with the omni series so i've got that for you in conversation form but first i want to play you a song from the record how about we do the latest single. This one is called Virtual Signal from Omni Part One. Yeah. 
my exposure and introduction to you and Project 86 was a really random experience for me, not for you, by uh, by having a neighbor I was close with. He calls me one day and he says, hey, man, do you like rock music? Do you still like rock music? Okay. <laughs> and I was Which like, yeah. A funny question. Yeah, it is. And I was like, yeah, I do. And he's like, well, there's this... Uh, there's this concert this weekend and POD is playing. Mm-hmm. Do you want to go to that? And I was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. And he said, it's this, it's this festival. So I didn't know anything about it. Only thing I had heard of was heard of was POD is 2001. I want to say. So I went with him to purple door in Lancaster yeah. or in Lebanon, Pennsylvania, Lebanon fairgrounds. And there is where I saw you guys, you played and that was my exposure to you. And I went to your merch table. I bought drawing black lines and that was how I was introduced to project 86. So that's 22 years ago. Yeah. It, it's been a minute. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's been a long time, but I've been doing my best to keep up with what you've been doing. And now it seems like that was real early on in, in not the earliest part of your career, but now we're here at what I believe is the end, right? Yeah. That's a, that's an interesting topic. It's, it's, it's become uh, one that's been subject to reinterpretation a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I have a definitive angle on it, but I guess I'll tell the story. Uh, it's a pretty good story, uh, but it's kind of long. So I'll, I'll, I'll try to summarize it in 2002, when we were recording truthless heroes, which was the follow-up to drawing black lines, we were on Atlantic records. Um, it was kind of a high pressure situation in the studio. We had to deliver for a number of reasons, um, you know, music that the label loved and there was all kinds of politics behind the scenes and buyout, but we were kind of being um, set up to be the next, whatever band, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of those pieces were lining up. Well, at that time we're in the studio and it was my turn to go into the vocal booth, deliver the vocals. And we had just gone to Vegas as a, as a band and our production crew for the album, just to, you know, take a break for the the weekend. We're in LA recording. So it wasn't that far and came back. I got into the vocal booth to start tracking the first song. And I started to do my thing, yell, whatever. And my voice didn't work. Hmm. And I didn't know it at the time, but I had gotten laryngitis from the casinos in Vegas. I never had laryngitis before, so I, I was not familiar with symptoms or the feeling or anything. But I just know my voice didn't work. I would try to right. get into like my shouting voice and it would crack. And I'm like, there's something going on, man. I'm talking to the producer back and forth. And he's like, well, give it another shot. Do it again. Does the same thing. He's like, well, maybe, maybe go a little harder. <laughs> so <laughs> Seems the like the worst way. advice. <laughs> well, yeah. And uh, that was kind of what I did whenever I had a cold or anything was going on. I've always struggled with my voice, losing my voice throughout my whole career. Mm-hmm. and uh so i went harder and i did it again and then i felt something give in my throat and uh i had pain on the right side of my neck and i just my voice was done i knew it and i injured it somehow i could feel it and i never experienced that before either and i was like dude i gotta call it today like something's wrong something's really mm-hmm. wrong so i ended up going to my voice coach at the time uh you know the label had you know, paid for me to take voice lessons from the baller voice coach guru guy in LA yeah. in, in, in Hollywood or whatever. And he was like the guy who worked with Maynard from tool and Chris Cornell at the time. And like all these other big names. 
So it was kind of, kind of crazy. And I go in and he starts trying to get me to do some light singing or whatever. And he's like, let me, let me feel your like neck or whatever in your throat. And he kind of does this thing where he's like putting his hands on my vocal cord area. And he's like, I think you have a nodule, man. And I'm like, what? That's like the number one fear of every singer is to get a nodule because mm-hmm. it can be a really, really career altering or even ending thing. So uh, he's like, I'm going to call this voice doctor um, in Beverly Hills and you're going to go, go see him tomorrow. Uh, okay. So he made an appointment for me. I got in there. And uh, it, it was such a weird world during this time because it's like I go from that voice coach to this voice doctor and, and he's like dropping all these names about like all the celebrities that he treats or are his clients or his patients yeah. or whatever. So he's like, yeah, man, Ozzy was just in here and da, 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 he's talking <laughs> about this. I was like, oh, that's great. I'm terrified about my voice. I don't care about Ozzy. Right now. <laughs> right. You know, so they put me in this chair and they stick this tube up my nose and down my throat that has a camera on it. It was the weirdest feeling of my life. Really uncomfortable. One of the weirdest anyways. Uh, and then they shoot a video of my vocal cords and he has me sing with this like tube up my nose. Um, and then he shows me there on camera. He's like, yeah, you have a vocal cord nodule. We have to start sending you to speech therapy. So thus, thus started a really kind of painful chain of events for me because of you know, voice rest, which is like, you don't speak to anyone for like a month at a time, mm. you know, back and forth to the voice coach, the voice doctor, speech therapist. This is what I'm on for like six months. And this was right when like supposedly our biggest album was dropping and being recorded. Somehow I made it through the recording. Um, then we go on tour and it ends up my vocal cord nodule starts getting worse and worse and worse with tour. So it's just, it was kind of a nightmare. And finally, this all culminated with me being scheduled to get surgery. And that surgery can be really risky for, for singers because if you don't take absolute great care of it as it's healing, you can get scar tissue and it can change your voice or mm-hmm. you can lose your singing voice completely. So it, it was really crazy, like thinking about that and it, obviously anxiety inducing. And I got right up to the day before I was scheduled to do it. And, that, and for some reason, I felt like I shouldn't do it. So I canceled it and I stopped going to see all the people knowing that like I'm running a risk of like jacking myself. And I just said, I'm going to figure this out on my own. From that point on, I've kind of lived with this low level anxiety about making my voice worse over time. And I've had family and friends tell me in recent history, your voice is getting, you know, your speaking voice is getting more raspy, you know, Mm. on record. It sounds like you're shredding your vocals. And I had instances where I know I'm, damaging myself on the road or in the studio. And so, you know, I'm getting older. I've been doing this a long time. I've always had this thing in my mind ever since then, where it's like, I'm going to reach a point where I have to hang it up because I'm not gonna be able to sing this way anymore. Otherwise I'm going to risk losing my voice forever. So I felt like that time is came or started to come a couple of years ago uh, before I announced this, that was the biggest drive behind me, you know, announcing, you know, we're going to do one more record, you know, and that's it. Um, so fast forward to 2022, we'd written all the music for the first half of this double album. And, uh, it was my turn to go into the studio again and very eerily similar circumstances. You know, there's a heightened expectation here because people are really coming out of the woodworks to support. Cause I announced this is the last record. You know, everybody's right. like, want to want to support, want to be part of this, whatever, make it your best record, whatever the music's turned out really good. So the, you know, very soon before I'm scheduled to go in, I get COVID and I'm in my car 
as I'm want to do, I'm jamming and I'm singing to some music on, on the radio, you know, and I feel that same exact thing happen. It's happened to me so long ago. Mm-hmm. And I've been worried this entire time when you get one nodule, the way your vocal cords work, you know, they come together like this. Um, I'm putting my hands together for those that are listening on audio. Um, and if there's a nodule on there, there's like a, a little ball of, of callus that keeps your vocal cords from coming together. Well, that's what makes sound is when your vocal cords come together. Well, mm-hmm. What usually happens if not treated or, or removed, that nodule will result in a second nodule. And it'll make it even worse to where you can't say it all, basically, unless you get them removed or you do like, you know, 18 months worth of, of singing therapy with voice rest. So that's been my, that's been my fear. I've been yeah. carrying with me for 20 years, a lot, a lot of built up anxiety there. And, and so, uh, I lose my voice and I'm, uh, doing everything I'm supposed to do to bring it back. I put myself on voice rest. I'm doing the, all the stuff with your diet and the sleep and the, you know, the water and the hydration and, you know, and there's these really light voice exercises I learned how to do from the speech therapist. I'm doing those every day. It's not getting better. Like a month goes by and I'm, I'm working with dudes in pre-production, you know, with, with our team uh, of, you know, production team. And I'm having to use a speech to text app on my phone. And it's like, it's just crazy. And so finally, like, I'm like, I don't know what else to do. I got to go to the doctor. I've been putting off going to the doctor for two decades. Mm-hmm. Finally, so I make different reasons, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's common, right? <laughs> yeah. So I make the, I make the appointment, I go, you know, I set it up and there's about a week's time between the appointment and the actual time when I go to the doctor. So time enough to process through the end of my music career the loss of my singing voice, the acceptance of all of it. Right. So I'm resolved. I'm like, I'm ready for the bad news. It's cool. You know, I go in, she does a thing with the camera and I had forgotten how awful that was when they stick that thing up your nose and down your throat and make you sing. And I was like, Oh, this sucks. And I, okay. And I do the thing. Then she takes it out of my nose and face. And then she shows me the screen exactly the same as 20 years ago. She's like, Oh, look, your vocal cords are perfect. All you have is a little swelling in your throat from COVID. Just take some nasal spray and you'll be good. (laughs) Well, I wasn't ready for that. Yeah. So the world's like spinning around me. I'm like, I don't even know what to say. I'm totally numb. I I walk out, I'm walking out like to my car after the appointment, kind of just like tripping, like a whole (laughs) new world has emerged before me. Another life experience. Yeah. Like a brand new life. Like I've been giving my life back. And so I'm calling friends, calling family. I was like, I don't know how this happened. It's a freaking miracle because there's no way that I didn't have something going on, Mm -hmm. but I don't. And so I end up going in the studio shortly thereafter. And we make what is now our heaviest record Mm -hmm. barring our next second half of this double album. And I started singing differently in a way that it was more like death, more like heavy, you know, Mm -hmm. which is what I've been doing live for like a decade in order to save my voice, believe it Mm -hmm. or not. And I felt like, and the producer said, you never sounded this good and I'm not blowing smoke. Like this is some of the best, probably the best stuff you've ever done. And I'm like, I feel like I found my voice 27 years 25 years, whatever into my career. Right. And so now I'm at this weird crossroads. Everybody like, this this is good. This record's really good. You know, we dropped some (laughs) singles and everybody's like, this is really good. This can't be the end. And I'm like, well, I don't know what's going on, man. Cause here's what I'm thinking. 
you know, this has been awesome. The music turned out great. Totally turned into a new chapter here, like reinvented the whole thing. Hmm. And now I'm going, I don't know what needs to come next. You know, I, I didn't imagine that I wanted to stop making music. You know, but that was the biggest reason why I'd announced. I'm just like, I'm getting older. I can't do this anymore kind of thing. And, <laughs> and now it's like heavier than ever. Like I have this fire force. So I don't, I have no idea what's coming up. All I know is we have a lot of work left to do on this record and this album cycle. And it's been great. It's been amazing. It's been a mountaintop experience. Well, that's, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that whole story. Um, and, and a couple things about that. You have such a unique and distinct vocal uh, like like i i know when it's you right you know I, you, and i think I'm, i know i'm Appreciate not alone that. in that so so to have that uh in jeopardy must have really sucked because i mean i'm sure you could have carried on in some capacity but to to like lose your like key you know like signature sound yeah the thing that makes me me in, right. in terms of my career and like a lot of my identity itself yeah. you know <laughs> right but then it's uh it's very cool how you're mentioning the the feedback of this record and how you feel about this record. Cause to me, it is so it is, I, I said to somebody earlier today, I was like, I am shocked how much I like this and not because I expected to not like it, but just cause it's the Omni part one is not what I was expecting at all from you. It was not what I was expecting from a project 86 record. And you guys have done, or you've done so many different things over the years with the band, with your sound. And this is, I couldn't have predicted you would go this way. And I don't even know which way it is. Like if I had to explain to somebody, what does this sound like? I don't, I don't really know where to start. Um, it's definitely the heaviest thing. Like you said, that you've done before your vocals are all over the place. And I mean that in a, in a good way is you're showing off so much range and, 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 uh, what's the word for different stuff. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. Diversity. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, 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 it's really interesting. And of course there's this big story to it. Um, there's this two part thing. So just tell me about the, the whole concept of this. And I know it's a, it has to be a big one. So as <laughs> how do you break that down? Yeah. 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 Uh, I can put it in a paragraph. Basically, I look at what's going on in the world today and there are so many earmarks of like, you know, dystopia all around us, right? right. <laughs> like actual real world stuff, not like a Ridley Scott film or a Philip K. Dick novel. You know, mm -hmm. it's all, you know, I've been living inside all that media my entire career, really my whole life. I always gravitate towards, you know, whether it's like classic, you know, brave new world, 1984, all that stuff uh, right. or films like Blade Runner, cyberpunk and, you know, book of Eli, whatever, name it, you know, anything like futurism, you know, dystopian, uh, dark future for humanity, any of that stuff. I'm super into that kind of media. There's been a <laughs> horde of, yeah. of that type of media coming out in the last five years. Um, I just look at what's going on in the world and, uh, focusing on technology specifically. And I see a future not very far down the road where humanity itself is going to be redefined. Um, and there is a very real transhumanistic sort of agenda emerging that I don't even know most people are aware of, but sort of like the consciousness of humanity, the human species and the way it expresses itself is primarily through technology and so we combine our knowledge together as civilization moves forward and we become more adept at inventing a better life for ourselves. Mm -hmm. We 
well, you play that out further and further. And there comes a moment of like, well, we're faced with very real possibility of singularity, man and, and AI, man and algorithm coming together and becoming a new thing. And perhaps a reinventing, you know, what it means to be human in and of itself. So this album is about mankind inventing a way to cheat death and replace God, basically, Hmm. um, through technology and manifested in this tower. It's kind of like a like a reemerged tower of Babel, but in the the big tech sense. And it's also about um, a big tech company basically taking over the world, um, becoming a, a one world government so to speak. Mm-hmm. And then using current events and everything from the pandemic to, you know, what's, you know, everything, all the things that are going on in the world that are crazy and sort of just casting that forward. So trying to write something that is very close to our current reality, it's still conjecture. It's still fiction. Uh, but uh, I've always wanted to do something that is a little bit more of a multimedia experience. I've never mm-hmm. done it in my career where I write a book a piece of fiction. Uh, we do a film of some sorts or a visual album, and then we use the music as a score for that piece of visual art, and it all fits together cohesively. And that's what we're doing. And it's a lot of work, <laughs> and it's really fun. <laughs> yeah. um, we're about, as of this recording, we're about to drop our third music video and single, uh, which is dropping on March 10th. It's called Virtual Signal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're dropping Omni part one on March 24th. I'm going actually going into the studio as of this recording in a week to start recording part two of the double album. Uh, and yeah, we've got one draft done of the book. So we're, we're about halfway home. I think, uh, seems like where you should be when you're releasing part one. Yeah, exactly. How, how long have you been working on this specific project? Well, if it's dating back to inception, it's a few years. Mm -hmm. Um, I probably had the initial thought of going down this road three or four years ago, maybe even five years ago now. Um, There are elements of this that harken back to our third album, which is the one where I had the voice issue. uh, Heroes, Because it was a, it was an idea. This is basically if, you know, not intentionally, but it's kind of a part two of that. You know, it's Hmm. that was predicting something and here. This is saying it came to fruition. And that was an album that was kind of talking about technology as well. Um, So, yeah, uh, physically actually working on the writing and the production. uh, You know, we are about a year and a half in. Um, It'll probably take us another year to get to the end of it. That's not too bad. That's that's pretty quick considering all the, all the stuff you got involved with this. You know, when you're in the middle of it, it's, you know, one timeline, but Mm -hmm. to people who are fans waiting for it, it's another timeline. So it feels to a lot of people. I know this because I see the comments on social media (laughs) that this is our like Chinese democracy or something, you know? (laughs) Right. Right. It's not that situation at all. Like, and, and I'm really confident, like once, once everybody hears, you know, the album and, and sees everything that we're working on, it's going to be well worth the wait, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, really try and bring out all the stops here to make this thing something that is, is memorable for people and special. Yeah. Well, it's really, it's really cool as a large 
concept. How do you feel like it breaks down for the people that, because not everybody wants to listen to a concept. Not everybody cares about the story of a record. Um, do you feel like it breaks down though, that you can parse out those, you know, those just single songs for people to still enjoy? Yeah, it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't play like a rock opera, you know, right. or something like that. It's not one continuous thought. Uh, you know, we needed to write bangers, you know, mm -hmm. that's what people have liked about our band. That's what drawing black lines was, is an album of bangers. It, it was, um, I agree. You know, and you know, we definitely wanted to take people on a journey with this thing. And there are like some, you know, film scorey, the more mm -hmm. theatrical type moments on the record. Um, but there's a lot of banging. Um, and yeah, yeah. I mean, I think people can just put this on and, you know, skip to their favorite track and, you know, you don't have to care about all the, the deep thought. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there are a lot of folks or at least a, like a core crowd of our supporters that get really into that stuff um, that like digging in the lyrics and like to know the meanings behind stuff and the visual imagery. And like, you know, so for, for those, the, you know, how, whatever number that is, you know, they're going to have a lot to, to eat up and, and digest over a longer period of time, which I think will be fun for those people. I'm, I'm just a big fan of like, music should sort of captivate the imagination a little bit and, and it shouldn't just be like verse chorus, verse chorus. You know, I want to get chills when I listen to a song. I don't care how the artist like gets me there. Yeah. I just, I just want to give people that feeling of like chills. And I've been told a lot of these songs do that, which is mm -hmm. really cool. They do it for me, but I'm biased. Sure. Sure. But that's the goal. Well, I think th I, I've said this plenty of other times. People who listen to this will tell me I'm repeating myself a lot about it, but I think it's important. I think everybody tends to forget it, that a lot of times the music is supposed to be entertainment, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like I, I'm, I'm, I always bring it up. Like I come from like the hardcore world, right. Where it's right. like, Oh, there's a meaning, there's a message. There's a, you know, we're making a point. It's like, well, not always, it doesn't always have to be that, you know, it's, it, I listen to music most of the time because I, I want to enjoy it. Not because I want to be enlightened. So, right. So it's cool to get an album. That's got a bit of a, got a, got a bit of story, got a bit of a little grandiose or whatever. It's just fun. And I, th this record has been a lot of fun to listen to, despite it being uh, pretty damn heavy. It is pretty freaking heavy. And that yeah. was very much intentional. And if it seems like I had a lot of pent up aggression stored up, that that's true. Uh, you know, when we did Drawing Black Lines, that was a heavy record for the time. Mm -hmm. And sure. I think a part of me, you know, when we got into Truthless Heroes, the third record, you know, we ended up becoming more of a rock band. Uh, right. And I think, you know, part of that was dictated by the circumstance that we were in, you know, major label system and all that. But there was definitely a big part of me that wished, you know, instead of going that route, which is kind of where we stayed for many records, mm -hmm. we would have just gone heavier. You know, uh, we all agreed that kind of, you know, we were sort of in that new metal sort of yeah, for sure. in with that back then. And we didn't want to be lumped in with that. So we're like, let's, <laughs> let's go a different route with this thing a little bit. When we started, that was super cool, but then it got kind of, kind of played really quick, you know, with the glut of bands and, you know, the, the limp biscuits and everybody, you know, unfortunately I'm not saying anything negative about anyone, but like, yeah, yeah. you know, it got pretty, pretty saturated. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to pivot and we pivoted into rock band. But like, as the years have gone by, I'm still like, I'll see my friends who are in like a super heavy band. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Yeah, and I'll get kind of jealous. You know, be like, I want that extreme of a sound. So finally, with this record, it's like, all right, I'm going to engineer it. Like, whatever happens, every person that works on this thing has to has to be like a heavy music connoisseur, mm-hmm. you know, to make sure that everybody working on it is bringing that to the table. And that's that. Yeah, that's what happened. And big shout to everybody that touched this thing. This is like the biggest team of dudes that I've ever worked with in terms of collaboration and production and such, you know, big shout to Grayson and Corey and Matt and Bo and Michael and Darren and everybody else who, who touched this thing. You know, we uh, really pulled out all the stops and really happy with it, man. Really happy with it. I can listen to this album, you know, and be proud of it. And it's not that you don't feel that way when you finish making anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like something's been accomplished here that has been, long coming, you know, just that heavier sound, you know, I want people to say, Oh, that's a metal record or a, you know, a hybrid doom death, you know, whatever thing meets electronic or hard rock or whatever, you know, it's its, its own thing. I don't, sure. think it, yeah. I don't think it fits in like one genre, but it's definitely brushes more with metal, especially at certain moments. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're right. It's, it's really hard to define. It's hard to put in a certain thing, but I would call it largely a metal record. And, uh, that's perfectly fine with me. I do though, like everybody else, you know, get annoyed by genre tags, but also love them, you know, cause I, cause I want to put bands in their box too. And, and say, this is this, it's funny that you mentioned like, uh, back when drawing black, black lines being like putting that new metal box and then kind of going, going the rock band route. And it seems like you and I had a similar ideas about the sounds at the time where I was at one point like, yeah, everything new metal is cool. And then eventually it was like, well, maybe not, maybe not, <laughs> you know, maybe, yeah. maybe it got a little weird here. And uh, then I found myself, you know, like swallowed up by hardcore or whatever. And yeah. I think f- because of that, I lost a little track of what you guys were doing for a while, but I went back and listened to everything and you did stick to that rock so- sound for a while, but you also were always willing to experiment. So for sure. Why did it take this long for you to decide to go heavy? Well, I would say in the, in the, let's say albums three through six, uh, the intersection of the four people working on the music was what the sound was. And I think that's any band. Sure. Yeah. You know, if you're all on the same page about the sound, you know, and you're firing on all cylinders. I'm of the opinion that what comes out is greater than the sum of your parts. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. And the evidence was drawing black lines. Like we were just having fun making a heavy record mm-hmm. and everybody wanted to kind of do the same thing. I think the further we went, the more that there was, you know, contrast and taste within the unit. Uh, and I would say that over the years, you know, everyone that I've worked with along the way has always leaned a little bit more rock and a little less metal. Mm-hmm. And the, you kind of get comfortable you know what I mean? Like, this is what a project 86 song is supposed to be, even though we're experimenting, you know, you got an album like uh, a rival factions is totally left field. You know, that's more right. like a goth rock record, you know? Um, and then, and the rest will follow is a little bit more experimental. Um, but it's all still, it's not like Uber heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a, a result of the relationships of the people that are working on it and their individual creative tastes that are coming to the table. And that's what comes out. And a certain aspect of that, you can't totally engineer, you know, it's just with this album, I just purposely from a production standpoint and from a collaboration standpoint, like I wanted to make sure that the people that were working on were all of the same mind, you know, as me in terms of what, what was to be accomplished. Um, you know, uh, whether that's an engineer or producer, several producers working on it, you know, such or even, you know, tar tones, you know, it, it was definitely a singular thought, uh, in terms of what we want for the sound. And, um, yeah, I wasn't willing to, to compromise, I guess right. <laughs> that's <laughs> what it came down to. That's very cool. How did, how did you assemble this group of people to work on this? Was there, when you, when you start going, like, you know, putting together the idea of what you want this to sound like, is there people that come to mind right away? Like, I, I want this person. So this was kind of the result of a friendship that developed during the pandemic and uh, a buddy of mine, uh, this guy, Corey Brandon, who you might know, um, sings for a band called Norma Jean. And he was going through some, some difficult things during the pandemic. And I reached out to him. We had kind of connected cause I had him as, on as a guest on my podcast. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we just pioneers started, podcast, right? That one. And, uh, you know, he's actually jumped on, uh, the project 86, um, Patreon a couple right, times. Right. Um, yeah, I have three shows now that I do. So <laughs> I, I keep pretty busy, but uh, we just started becoming friends. He was going through a hard time and, and I reached out to him and said, yo dude, you know, I know some, some hard stuff is going on, but I, you know, I want you to know I'm, I'm there for you and I believe in you and your talents and support you. So if you ever need anything, please let me know. And we just ended up talking more. And when it came around time to start like working on stuff, I was like, we should do something together, man. You know what I mean? Whether it's like a guest vocal or whatever. And he's like, why don't we write a song? I was like, okay, that's fun. Let's do that. And then, you know, he just, I just started asking him questions and me like, look, I want to do something new with this. You know, do you have like a producer or like some people that can be involved in this thing that, you know, might bring a heavier edge to like project kind of help me reinvent the sound a little bit, you know? And he's like, yeah. And he just started throwing me contacts and names, just dudes I knew, but just never worked with, you know? people that he'd worked with, you know, like for example, Bo Bruchel, who's an uh, amazing producer. Um, he plays guitar in the band Seosin mm-hmm. as well. Um, so I ended up working with him uh, on the mix and, and a lot of the, on the vocal production and some, some other stuff. And th- that was like an amazing experience. Uh, one, he's local to me. Um, 
he's in Temecula. I'm in Orange County, Southern California. Uh, two, just a great dude. Three, uber talented and uh, helped me just go to places that, you know, I'd never gone before. Like I, I, I expressed. So, but a heavy music guy, you know, not, not just a rock guy, you know, while Seosin might be a little bit more melodic than what we do, like he's also a heavy music connoisseur. So, you know, between, you know, this ever expanding, like, uh, group of production people and collaborators and like, uh, just this idea that I had in my mind that was uh, so connected to conceptually, you know, just turn on the news, look at your social media feed and there's, there's inspiration there and stuff to react to. Um, felt early on that we had something going on that I think was going to work, you know? And, and as we got deeper into it, I became more and more surprised with the output. <laughs> you know, I'm, I, yeah, the song Metatropolis was the, one of the first songs we finished in the studio. And I remember, you know, I got a rough of that and listened to it. it it's a one hour drive from, the studio to where I live. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, every day I'd get a rough and listen to the songs on the way home. I put that thing on in my car, man. And I was like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> this is so heavy. And it's also good. Like people yeah. are going to flip and they're going to ask me about 10,000 times who the guest vocalist is. <laughs> 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 yeah, I can see that because uh, I legitimately wrote down who's doing guest vocals on Skin Job. So, th- no, that is a guest okay. vocalist. On that, on that <laughs> okay, track. all right, so, all right, so good. So I got one right. Yeah, that's actually Corey, Corey singing okay. <laughs> the extra vocal part on there. Um, so, yeah, and it'll say that once the album drops, you know, featuring Corey Brandon, you know. Right. <laughs> No, I knew that I knew that that one had to be different, but I, but what my point is that I wasn't sure because Mm -hmm. of, because of how you sound throughout the record. I was like, ah, this doesn't sound like him, but maybe it is, you know? So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Super funny. And, uh, especially when we dropped the first song, um, if you like, look at the YouTube comments, there's a ton of them in there. It's like, who's that? Who's that singing (laughs) the heavy vocal? (laughs) <laughs> have you found that uh, the project 86 fan base, the people that have been with you for this long or along for the ride on this one and uh, as excited for you to go heavy as you are for the most part. Yeah. Uh, I would say, you know, 95% or more right. are really excited for, for this sound and for the songs so far and for the mm-hmm. whole thing. Um, I would say 2% are, have been like, uh, this is, this is too, this is a sound. <laughs> like what, what I expected, you know, or what I wanted, you know, and I mean, you kind of already said it, you know, the the earmark of our catalog was always trying something new. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, this just happened to be something that was never tried and that I always wanted to do, you know? So in that sense, it's like, well, you know, you shouldn't be surprised that we're (laughs) doing something different because we've done that before. Expect the unexpected. Yeah. Yeah, man. No, it's, it's, it's very cool. And I, I, I mean, I, I'm going to keep repeating myself saying the same stuff, but I've been listening to the record a lot. Right. And, yeah. uh, it's just cause that's the, the benefit of being on these lists. You get, you know, he gets stuff early yeah. and you get to really go through it. And, uh, I, I spent, I think it was last week. I went back and listened to your discography, you know, from, from the first album till, even the Christmas record you put out most recently. And 
And I like doing that with bands, especially before I talk to them, but just to like, like I said, familiar, familiarize myself with the stuff of yours that I wasn't along the ride for and the stuff that I was to just revisit and go like, wow, that stood up. That really, that really, you know, still hits and it's just real cool to Thanks, go man. through. Um, but you've kept yourself busy with all sorts of projects. We briefly mentioned there that you, you do the, uh, the podcast two pioneers podcast. And, and then I know from reading, uh, some press release stuff that you, and you just mentioned it there that you have a Patreon that's really kind of about Omni. So tell me about that. What's, what's the deal with that thing? Yeah, this has been a huge part of this process. And to be frank, I don't know that the album would have been the same without this Patreon and the people on there that support. And I'll explain why, you know, I kind of cut my teeth with pioneers. Um, that was kind of, you know, a big creative focus for me for a couple of years. Um, but once, you know, we dropped this new Patreon, you know, pioneers take a little bit of a backseat. It's been a while. I see. Yeah. 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 Like as far as dropping episodes on Apple and, and podcast platforms, I've been sticking just kind of to the Patreon on that. It's just, you know, you only have so many hours in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we launched this Patreon for the final called the final chapter campaign and basically, you know, offer people, you know, not just an inside look at the process, but also participation in the process. And what's developed over the last year and a half, two years is a really vibrant, small community of people uh, who've really taken ownership in so many ways of helping to make this thing come to fruition. And I gained so much motivation from these people. And it's just the inner circle of diehards mm-hmm. uh, who are constantly not just pumping me up with, with positivity and encouragement, but also giving me a lot of like constructive feedback along the way, you know, so go on there and post demos, you know, post lyrics, you know, tell stories, you know, I went through the whole history of the band, you know, via podcast. Uh, I read through the whole storybook, the first draft, this fiction book that goes along with Omni. Yeah. Um, they've heard every phase of the demoing process, pre-production, tons of in-studio content. So I take them with me wherever I go in this thing. And as soon as I have anything to talk about or need feedback on, I go straight to them. They're like my family. So like we're on there and like supporting each other in life. People are making comments about like family issues they're going through and other people are like, Oh, let me help you like whatever, you know, it's like a legitimate, you know, community of people there and you're forging relationships and such. And I owe so much to them because there have been times where I start to feel burned out or, or overwhelmed. You know, I go on there and I post an episode and I talk, just talk about it. I'm just like, guys, I'm feeling really overwhelmed this week. I got this and this and this going on. Everybody, everything's hitting at once, you know, like this week, you know, taxes and, and admin stuff, album drop, music video, head into the studio to record and so many more things, everything mm-hmm. kind of hitting at once. I go on there, I talk about it. They're kind of like my, like silent therapist community, you know, where I sure. go on there and I just talk about whatever. And then they come back with comments and they're like, Hey, we support you. Keep going. You're killing it or whatever. And it just gives me that little extra push that I need to like dig deep that day. And so it's been really special and really, really unique. I've had the, a lot of them come back to me and say, why don't more bands do this? Like, this is a thing that I've never seen before. And I'm like, I don't know. This has happened organically. It's not that I had a plan to make this thing become what it was or what it, it has become. Yeah. Which is more than a fan club, more than a Patreon. It's literally like, they're my lifeblood, man. Like, 
And uh, I wish more artists could, could do that. Now I've devoted a ton of time to it and that's probably yeah. why it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's gone so well. Uh, like I, I hop on zoom calls with people. I, you know, I'm constantly posting, you know, if I get a new piece of album art, they're the first ones to see it. You know, if I have an edit of a music video, they're the first ones to see it, you know? So it's yeah. like, yeah. try to pour a lot into it. And it's been a thing where the more I poured into it, the more that I've gotten out of it. And that's not the goal. I'm trying to like stoke these people out that are supporting the band, but it's been a very circular transaction, just like a live show. You know what I mean? Where the mm -hmm. energy, you know, you get a really good crowd and they're just feeling it. And, and there's just this energy in the air and it, it causes you to like perform better and like give them more, you know? So it's like transactional. Same thing. Yeah. That's, that's, that's super cool though. From, from your side, I understand the, uh, the whole part about it's difficult to maintain and keep, because you got to keep it worth it for people too. Right. I mean, the yeah. community is great and everything, but if, if, you know, there's money involved, you know, regardless. So you, it needs to be, there needs to be a, a lot there for them as well. Cause it yeah, sounds like value. A, yeah. 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 And like, you know, I've done things where Patreon related things with this, where I just, I can't, I can't juggle all the balls and, and keep that worth it for somebody. So it like, you know, gets thrown on the back burner, like, ah, maybe we'll figure it out one day, but it's very cool to hear that you've been able to make it work and make it a part of this whole creation process. That's, that's super cool. And I'm sure it makes them, those people feel good too. And to your point about, or their point, I guess, about why don't more bands do it? I don't think people consider the option or expect something to go that well. You know, like mm. it, I guess, you know, you, you come up with the idea or float the idea of a Patreon. It just seems so transactional. Like, well, you pay money for this and then I do this. Not thinking that there'll be an in-between that seems like you've been able to establish. Yeah. I just really make it a priority. Mm -hmm. And I did from when I started and I think those people feel it. And that's why it stays consistent and numbers wise, you know, we have a little under 200 people in there consistently every month. Yeah, people great. leave, people come back, you know, we have some higher tier people, you know, we've got some people in there who've contributed a significant amount, you know, and I try to reward those people, you know, we have tiers, mm -hmm. you know, and so the highest tier, I give them the most content, you know, they actually have a song, a project song that we're recording and we're mixing of it right now. That's just for those people. Nice. It's so one song that they can have that's like nobody else gets basically. Right. You know? And so we've done all kinds of unique things like that along the way. That's a very cool perk. And the, the album, as I understand, and maybe I have it wrong, but it's, it's technically a self-release, right? Is that fueled by stuff like the Patreon? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, if you boil it down, we've been an independent artist for the last um, one, two, three, four. This will be the fifth record. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in the early days, the only path to music success is through a record label. Right. The trade off is they take most of the money and hopefully they make you a big band or help to make you a big yeah. band. Right. So they, as the industry has evolved and more tools have become available to artists, you don't necessarily need the traditional channels for us. We've had an extremely loyal fan base. And so I've never found a situation where we were offered something from a label and we have it every step of the way since we've been, you know, quote unquote independent 
where it seemed like an even trade-off, you know, we're, you know, giving you 80% of the revenue or whatever, whatever that number is high number, you know, but you're not going to make our band bigger, you know, maybe, maybe there's a perception shift that comes along with that, but it's not worth that trade-off. And so every time that we've done something independently, there's been a greater response from our audience. And this time it's been even, even better. So uh, there's really no incentive for us to change that at this point. Now, don't get me wrong. This isn't us flying solo. Like we have a team that is helping to do all the, all the parts of the, the, the equation in terms of, of exposure and such, whether, whether we're talking publicity uh, or marketing. So uh, we've learned over the years how to do this thing in a way to, to still expose it to people and going forward a little bit more this time around, because we just feel more confident about the product you know, mm-hmm. that we're offering. And we feel like if anyone who's into heavy music, here's what, what we just made, they're going to be into it, you know, or at least most people, maybe that's an arrogant or cocky thing to say, but like we feel really confident about the, the music right now. So it's like, let's get this out there, you know? Yeah. I mean, maybe it is, but I think it's, I think it's, I think it's warranted. I think I genuinely think you got something here. I'm telling you, I wouldn't have sent the message. Like Thanks. I told you earlier today saying like, I can't believe how much I like this because it's that good. Right. Not because, not because of what was before, but just because this is, this is so good. Um, but what are you most looking forward to with the release of Omni part one? I just, I love the feedback, you know, I, I, to, to see someone elated over something that you made, you never get enough of that. I mean, that's why you do this. Right. Because hopefully like I can't speak for everybody else who makes music, but I know for me, I started doing this with my life because I wanted to do something that was maybe, you know, lasting for people or, you know, makes making a genuine difference because mm-hmm. I know how much of a difference and how much of an impact music had on me every step of the way, even now, you know, music has been such a pivotal part of my existence. And without it, you know, I, I wouldn't be the same person and it's been there for me through thick and thin. And, and so to be that for someone else or attempt to be that for someone else or to see that you are that for someone else, it's like, you cannot put that into words, mm-hmm. you know, that, that commercial, it says, um, I think it's like a credit card commercial where it lists that it's older. It where it lists, the, you know, uh, bag of apples, $4, uh, new car, 20 grand, you know, the look on your daughter's face when you tell her how much you love her priceless, you know, right. that kind of thing. Yeah. That's how I feel when I see people's feedback. So I can't wait for people to hear this because I think they're going to be stoked and I think <laughs> they're going to be shocked and I think they're going to be excited and, and, surprised and all that. And I can't wait because it puts a smile on my face every time to know that something I made is, is a making, making, making their day better and B maybe helping them through something that they're going through. Yeah. And I I think, I think you're absolutely going to do it. I, you've already, you've already provided me with that with 20 years ago with a record, you know what I mean? And I'm sure you've done it for countless people you know, since those 20 years with different records and there's no reason not to believe it won't happen again here with Omni. Um, Last thing, but I want to know how's the 100 records collection coming. Oh, wow. So you, you, you have checked it out. Okay. So 
kind of a monumental undertaking that I started, I think four years ago, might've been three years ago. And uh, there are, I've made a lot of progress. So I've gotten some really cool records. I've gotten some rare, rare ones that I didn't think I'd be able to get my hands on. Uh, but there are a few that are proving to be quite elusive. So What's the I'd most elusive so far? 80% there. So Smashing Pumpkins drops releases of Melancholy and Siamese Dream, I would say once a year. Yeah. They go so fast. They do. Yeah. And, and you have to watch, you have to watch a bunch of different stores to even have a shot. Uh, and I haven't had a shot and, it, and I refuse to buy those like overpriced discogs, mm-hmm. you know, people jack up the price because the demand is so high and, and dude, what a great formula, right? Just do yeah. those limited drops, <laughs> like sneakers, do those right. limited drops, you know, every so often. And people just fiend for it. Cause they're like collectors. There's not enough supply to meet the demand and that drives more demand. Uh, but those two records, man, are really high on my list and I, I have to get my hands on them at some point. Uh, those are, those are the top of the, of the mountain right now in terms of records that I, I need and I, that I don't have. Those are t- I, I get it. I mean, I think I just saw last week in the local record store that I like here a day in the life posted like a couple copy, cop- a couple copies of maybe it was Siamese dream, whatever. And they were just like, they're in the store one per customer when they're gone, they're gone, you know, knowing that that's the way that these records go. And it's funny with a band like smashing pumpkins who I went to see actually this year or actually well, it was maybe it's the end of last year, but whatever. They're, they're still good. They're still putting out stuff, but nothing like this, those records back then. It's and, hard. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. an extremely high bar. I went and saw them about four years ago and it was a great show and they played all the hits. Um, yeah. So did I about the same time it was with uh, Noel Gallagher, I think maybe. And, and AFI, AFI, Noel Gallagher, and that's a good line. Smashing Pumpkins. It was a, yeah, it was an interesting line. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, I, I'm a, I'm a record guy too. I, so I yeah, know. dude, you can't, you can't see the whole room, but there's your other. collection <laughs> is far more impressive than mine. I there's started a, there, pretty late. Yeah, but it's not. It's it's not quality. You, I mean, I, I like them, right? But yours, what you're going for is a quality over quantity thing. Yes, and what I got 100%. here, hundred percent. I got here. There's there's a thousand records in here, but they're not, they're not the, the top 100, you know, like if I had to make a list, they're probably I not be here. able to close my eyes and just pick a record. And that's the record for the day. Right. And be stoked on that and have it all be pretty the same level of nostalgia and quality and meaning, you know, to my life personally. Do you remember the film high fidelity in yeah, the late nineties? Yeah. One of my yeah. favorites, uh, he sorts his records in terms of his auto autobiography. Right. <laughs> so he's like, I have to remember that, you know, that record is in the fall of 1987, you know, section and whatever, but it's kind of like that you're, yeah, you're scoring yeah. your own existence, you know, with records and it's different than digital music or even CDs. In my opinion, the CDs are a lot easier to get your hands on. Yeah. Yeah. And they're a lot cheaper and, and, uh, but it's not, it's not as fun, you know, it's yeah. <laughs> something about the record. Yeah. And it, it's not cheap for sure. So I had, I have to space that out over time. Cause like I chose a career that isn't, uh, it's not, it's not a big, huge six figure income, you know? What I mean? <laughs> yeah. Same here. <laughs> That's why I got to go back to it. Uh, the, uh, and, and they're not, there's this, there's a space issue too. And I was just talking to my wife about this the other day. I was like, I think, I think I need to get rid of some. 
And she's like uh, against, she's surprisingly against it. She's like, well, yeah. no, it's your collection. I'm like, yeah, but realistically, there's probably records on these shelves that I haven't listened to in 10 years. Like yeah. they're just here. And if I get rid of them, I won't even notice. So, you know, you're inspiring me to go put on a record. <laughs> I wish I could do it myself, but, uh, Andrew, I got to go. I got to get back to work. I want to thank you for taking the time to do this and for the new album and for the old albums too. You've, uh, had an impact on me. I always tell people I, I was actually just doing it last week. Uh, I was talking to somebody else for one of these and I was talking about watching you guys at purple door back in 2001 or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. thank you for that. Yeah, man. Thank you. What a, what a great, great, uh, moment in time here this interview like perfect it's really awesome
So there you have it. That was my conversation with Andrew Schwab of Project 86. The song you just heard was Zeros Greater Than One off of Omni Part One, which drops this Friday, March 24th. It's a self-released record. It should be available everywhere. I highly suggest you go pre-save, pre-order, pre-anticipate. Wait, is an- anticipation is pre. You know what I'm saying. Just be stoked because it's worthy of your time and a good old-fashioned listen. Have a listening party of one. Don't do it with somebody else. You don't want anybody talking to you. You want to take this thing in. You want to put on headphones and sit down at uh, 6 o'clock in the morning with a cup of coffee and this record, and then go start your day off weird. It's a good way to do it. You know, it's a good way to end it too. Maybe listen to it in bed. Take a, uh, what's the sleep medicine that everybody, uh, I used to take it, man. It made people do crazy stuff. Walk around. It's like, it was like the extra level of sleepwalking. What was that? It wasn't, it's not melatonin. That's the normal one. Ah, it feels like it starts with an L it's not luminol. That's what you use to find blood splatter. You know, what is it? Guys, so you're probably screaming it at the uh, at your podcast app right now, screaming it in your car, screaming it at your headphones, screaming it at your cubicle walls, what this medicine is called. Does it start with an F? I don't know. I can't remember. Anyway, take that and then listen to this record and see where it takes you. Or just listen to it like a regular person at a normal time when you can. You'll appreciate it, especially if you like anything else that Project 86 has ever done in the past. Maybe not so much if you like Project X. Do you know what Project X is? Straight Edge Hardcore? I bet you do. I bet if you're here, you're aware of Project X and that seven inch uh, that was on what Schism Records. Hey, yeah, here's the thing. It's not that good. Let's just admit that. Let's move on. Okay. Moving on to other hardcore seven inches that aren't just that good. I'm, I'm kidding. We're not going to do that. Anyway, thanks again to Andrew for taking the time to talk to me. And even there at the end for talking about record collections. That's fun to me as well. This is another great record in the Project 86 catalog. I hope everyone else will check it out and enjoy it as well. I guess that's going to be it for this episode of the podcast. So, you know, I usually have to end this with a song and there will be nothing different about this one. This time it's a track from Welsh post-hardcore band Casey. It's a band I wasn't familiar with until maybe last night. A song popped up on a playlist and then I thought that name looks familiar. I should check it out. And I saw in my inbox, I had a new track from them. This one is called Atone. It's off their seven inch Atone Great Grief. It'll be out April 28th via Hassle Records. Only a thousand copies are being pressed worldwide and you can pre-order it now. Uh, Check the link in the description and go to their Getting It Out band page and you can find your way around the world that is the web and pick up the seven inch for yourself. But here it is. Casey Atone. Thank you for listening. Bye bye.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.